Welcome in to another edition of the Tevin and Keg Podcast, episode, episode 5.10. Charlie, are with you. Mitch, on the other side of the Zoom, happy Friday to you all. We are going to play a game of keep, trade, or see you later with the Milwaukee Bucks. Are the Brewers, quote-unquote, back? Case for it, maybe a case for caution. And the sudden Bakhtiari trade rumors all today. We're going to do a little, some more Buck stuff, too, before we get to our segment. It's an awesome show. Mitch, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Got to get down on Friday. Uh, yep. Yeah, what it is, what it do. Chilling. <laughs> it's another summer weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's looks like it's going to be good up till Sunday, which unfortunately is was so unfortunate for you guys, as Garden Home has a show out at Locust Street Days, what, 4.30? Uh, 4.30, at, yeah. River West, go see, go see the boys, go support um, the first Locust Street Days in three years, I believe. So it's been a while since Locust Street Days have uh, had a place in uh, Milwaukee. Well, technically it would be four, wouldn't it? I just, I just read the headline, my man, that I saw online. So I'm so just probably uh, three years off would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the clarification there. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we played it a while ago, uh, I think like in 2015 as our old band, mm-hmm. uh, Hodari. And Shout out. it was, I mean, I, I remember having fun. Uh, we discussed it this week, though, that it because um, we could have we we paid someone or they offer and they do it again. Evidently this year, they somebody I don't know who it is. I'm not the person to talk to offers like a nominal fee to record the the set you know so oh. you have like live audio oh, and cool. i think we did it that time you know years back mm-hmm. and then didn't didn't actually use it because it we didn't sound good or it didn't sound good yeah something like that so i don't think we're doing it this time but that was nah. an interesting memory and i don't remember it being particularly bad i thought it was fun and uh you know it's cool to to play like outside it's uh just a different thing but it's an opportunity to get in front of other people and For sure. um, other than the same, you know, I don't want to say the same, same people, same like, crew. Yeah, no, I, I get you. And it's, it's right on, um, it, it's a, is it, and it's right on locus, obviously. I was like, is it weird? Yeah, and I think right. it's kind of by uh black Husky. Is that correct? Right. Kind of in that. Yeah. It's in, in that, that area. Yeah. Yeah. If, so I, if, you... if it's, if it's like it was back then, it goes basically the length of, of mm-hmm. locust between like yeah. Humboldt and Pierce or whatever. Right. And uh there's construction over there. So always. They're never um, there's never not construction over in that in that area. I haven't literally I haven't been over there since like last fall. Oh, um probably yeah, like we late went... late summer last year yeah, because I right. well I, for 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 work I was over there oh, yeah. for a mm-hmm. while all the time. And that was like Humboldt was completely shut down at the time. Mm, yeah, like a few right. blocks humble and locust just north of locust it was shut down so i don't know if it's open again i think i guess it is or i don't know but right I yeah by now so it'll yeah for sure and and yeah just go go support the boys if you are uh if you're in the area um on on sunday and it's yeah it's like street festival season man you get lo- locust street days this week you get summer solstice uh the following saturday um which is always uh Brady Street Fest is probably like end of July. 
end of July, right? Um, but before that, I mean, you had the Harley thing um, that will be unfortunately out of out of uh, the the greater metro uh, when that's happening because that that's always a party too. But we're going to be doing our own party in, uh, in the Dallas. Yeah, we'll be we'll be okay. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks have had a lot of news. I mean, I think this has been for June where the Bucks haven't played for a few months. It's been a very active active month uh you this week had adrian griffin take the job officially um it was announced there was a press mm-hmm. conference i gave some thoughts we're going to hear from you in a second chris middleton um got an arthroscopic knee surgery just got a scope got some stuff cleaned up uh so it was obviously battling through some things last year and we're going to talk about middleton in our keep trade or see a later segment um and yeah it's uh so I, let's just start with the griffin part what what were your thoughts what were your takeaways anything you really liked anything that kind of gave you pause or caution or how how did you feel after after hearing adrian griffin the new coach of the milwaukee bucks uh i feel i mean i've i've gotten more optimistic not that i was necessarily pessimistic when it initially you know the news broke that was, it must have took him two weeks roughly to, to announce him and, uh, or officially, you know, to get to the press conference and all that. And I think there was a two week period there, a lead up where I, I got, frankly, I've been much more optimistic about it. Um, and hearing him talk, I mean, a press conference is, it is what it is. Um, right. there's, everybody's excited, you know, uh, the words "excited," "opportunity," uh, those are the the main buzzwords. And you know, I, I don't know how you know without knowing what the X's and O's are. They're not going to disclose that type of stuff in a, in a press conference. I don't know. I mean, he strikes me as a guy that's maybe not the greatest in front of a his first day in front of a crowd of of media and and players and stuff like that. But I feel like he's a guy that has been around basketball his whole life and played at the highest level, which will be different than, than Bud. Um, Now Bud had, I feel like a ton of experience and pedigree coming in, you know, was with San Antonio for 18 years and then was won a lot of games with Atlanta, obviously Mm -hmm. never, never got to the mountaintop. It's just, it's going to be, it's going to be different. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, you got Griffin who is again, nine or 10 years in the NBA has been an assistant coach for 15 years. Um, I, I guess I didn't really know he was a realistic possibility. The guy hadn't crossed my mind until all of a sudden he was like a finalist. Right. And mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm good with it. Uh, you yeah. Know, I've got, I, I've gotten more excited because it's, it's not a retread. I mean, these right. other, these other coaches, these other teams. Okay. All the pundits are going to want, for the Bucks to, or probably wanted the Bucks to go after Nick Nurse, or and they probably did. Who knows? Obviously, he was a finalist. Um, it's hard to say if Nurse was like, well, you know, was it Philadelphia gave him more money? Did he like the opportunity better? Who knows? Or so that Gian- or Griffin. that Giannis didn't want him. That Giannis was not a fan of whatever Nick Nurse sold him because I mean, Giannis did one on ones with all three coaches, per sources, yeah. um, and. Maybe Giannis was like, "Hey, I, 
I don't really like Nick Nurse. I don't really vibe with him. I don't think his vision really fits with what I'm trying to to achieve. I also wonder, and I originally, my original take was, did they put Adrian Griffin in that last three because they wanted him to be the head assistant for Nick Nurse? That's what I thought was happening. But I almost wonder if the inverse was where they really liked Adrian Griffin, but they kind of wanted to hear from the source a little bit. And they like yep. Nick Nurse, but did they want they made I, I will I'm willing to bet he'll never admit this because it's an ego thing and he's a pretty big ego maniac. I'm sure they asked him multiple questions about Adrian Griffin in that in that interview. And we're like, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Because Nurse pulled out before it could be reported they weren't going with Nurse. Now it was a tactful move, tactical move by Nurse to be like, the Bucks didn't choose me. They chose a first year my first year or my assistant coach who has never coached in the NBA before as a head coach. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah. you know, that's, or it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, right. A tactical way for him to not look bad. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah. It, and I, I think the staff that they're building, I mean, it's funny that their former, like former Bucks coaches, Terry Stotts, uh, who's been an offensive mastermind, a guy who really, really gets into the analytics and does some different things it will certainly be it won't feel like watching Mike Budenholzer's offense um anymore and then you have Joe Prunty Prunty who Giannis loved Joe and Joe's like one of the nicest guys in basketball like nobody says a bad word about Joe Prunty and Patrick Matumbo no relation uh to Dikembe uh was a G League coach for the Raptors he had a top team in the G League um, I'm, I really am psyched about what the Bucks kind of have done with their, with their coaching staff thus far. Yeah. It's, I wonder if they've taken a, a page from the Joe Missoula, uh, experience and are looking at it like we really got to get, you know, yeah. an experienced staff around him. And I don't know, that's a lot, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but compared to what, like compared to what we had with, with Bud, especially last year where it's like. It's Bud, and I feel like Charles Lee, who evidently is not as close to being a head coach as maybe we thought. No. And um, I feel like a bunch of coaches who are probably in their 30s who are just, you know, grad assistants essentially. And um, it's a, the complete opposite. And I, it's definitely going to be a change, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what shakes out because – you know, you you had sort of the the old guy with Bud who was, you know, in his fifties, and now you've got a coach in his forties with a bunch of experienced assistants. And yep. yeah, I mean, curious to see how it works out. I, I do wonder if Bud had too many yes men. I mean, the Bobby there was a Bobby Portis tweet like two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, probably it's been a little while. It was like people don't understand the impact of losing D Ham. And I just wonder if Darvin Ham was that buffer and, you know, not having that buffer kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. And Charles Lee couldn't really be that buffer that Darvin Ham was. Yeah, that's true. And I, I still don't think that like Bud was some, some hard no, ass. No, 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 but, I'm not, I'm not but trying obviously, to yes, that I'm just, I'm no, just, no matter what, though, like a, together. a head coach is going to be or a manager or, you know, is going to be the bad guy kind yeah. of no matter what. And yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot to that. Mm-hmm. I Darvin Ham, I feel like is 
you want to talk about loved and respected around the league. Oh yeah. Uh, he's, he's way up there as well. So yeah, I, I, I think Griffin's probably like that too, right? Like yeah, yeah. he played, and, he played not that long ago and, in the grand scheme of things. And he, he knows what's up. And that, and just to kind of put a bow on it, like that's going to be a challenge for him. Like he's going to have to learn, like, I probably can't be everybody's best friend. Like at yeah. some point I'm going to have to be a dickhead to these guys. And how do you, how do you balance that? Can you put your arm around a guy, but can you also call him an asshole and be like, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. uh, that can be challenging sometimes for guys. I, well, I'm confident. And that's, that yeah. was a huge issue for Jason Kidd, I think. Right. Um, because I feel like Kidd, now that we, you know, we watched him coach the Bucks for, I don't even know what it was, probably three or four three, years. Three or four years. Yeah. Something like that. And you know, Larry Sanders didn't like him, <laughs> and, uh, and he, but mean, it clearly, he clearly, his career. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean. Well, and and the way, especially at the end, you know, clearly he had ego issues, and I think, yep. and uh, still probably does, oh, and that's still, not yeah, necessarily something that's great as a as a head coach. I mean, part of what makes Craig Council so great is he was a grinder, yeah, and you know, Jason Kidd is a Hall of Famer. So, yeah, you could Henry argue Griffin is definitely much more on the Craig Council end. Yeah, that's so. a great point. I mean, Jason Kidd was certainly born on third base, right? Because he was Jason Kidd and he went to Cal and he was a top five pick and he was this, uh, you know, well-established player. It's yeah, it's totally. Well, absolutely. Griffin, that's... Griffin could have could have kept his playing career going, but he uh, he took a took a job as an assistant with Scott Skiles, who. Never know could be next on the Bucks bench this year. I hope not. We don't need Scott Skiles. <laughs> we don't need we don't need that. We we have we're we're, we're full. I like, stole that joke from Murph. I better give him give him. His uh, it's all right. It's okay. I I was gonna make a joke. I thought it might have been too obtuse. Where I was like, we're getting we're getting errors from every uh, every Bucks generation. Like, is this a Taylor Swift concert or a coaching staff? Like, but I was like, I don't know if that plays. It's a little too little too niche. Um, I don't know the crossover of Bucks and Taylor Swift fans are there. But let's let's get into our uh, segment and basically some I know it's summer you have to have fun ideas and uh, you know I think roster well, construction. Thank God ahead. the Bucks fired their coach, so we had yeah, we had no some shit, stuff to right? talk about right now. No so. shit. Uh, and uh, but with roster construction, trying to figure out what's next for Bucks basketball, and it's a very interesting time with the new CBA. Um, I have uh, somewhat of an idea of it. Um, I thought Bill Simmons and Reiner Soto did a great job breaking it down, although they didn't have everything right because Frank Madden had a tweet, I think, later that week where it was like, yeah, some of this stuff does not kick in this year. Um, some of the apron stuff does, but not all of the apron stuff does. Then they'll ease it kind of in. But that said, this – CBA was really meant to punish the Golden State Warriors. Let's let's be clear here. They didn't want another Golden State Warriors. But it also hurts the Milwaukee Bucks. It hurts Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, it hurts Phoenix Suns. Uh, and there are a few other teams that are affected by it. So what the Bucks do, they're going to have to be extremely, extremely tactical. And we're going to kind of go through some of the bigger names and keep trade or see you later. And see you later meaning... We don't. I'm not going to do cut because you you don't really cut guys in the NBA. It's very very rare that you see like they are releasing somebody. They no one eats the money. They just they find a way to trade them, which is 
an interesting little difference between the NBA and baseball and and uh, football for that matter. But we'll start with Chris Middleton. He was in the news with the arthroscopic knee surgery. Uh, Mitch, if if you were John Horst or you were presenting a plan to John Horst, what would it be for Chris Middleton? Well, I think with, with Middleton, it's tough. Um, he's not getting any younger. No. He seems to be injured and – you know, the last couple seasons, really since really since the championship, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. No. I don't know. It, it's kind of tough to answer because I don't know necessarily, without knowing what contracts are on the table or because, you know. Let's say, let's say, let's say it's a, they, that Chris's agent has come to you with four years, 120. I don't like that fourth year. Yeah. Uh, If it was like three, I'd probably even go three for three for 120. And maybe a team option for the fourth. So if like somehow he somehow figures out how healthy he is, you have that fourth year that you can opt into. He doesn't get to opt into it. You get to opt into it. Yeah. Right. I think for me, him just taking the player option and then the Bucks being able to trade him would be would be a dream scenario. I don't know how realistic that is, so I guess I would probably put him in the trade bucket. Okay. Um, if I had to, if I had to pick, uh, just because you know he's, I don't know, he's he's not getting any younger, and I feel like if you could somehow get him <clears throat> to and flip him into somebody that's younger more athletic and can still give you some of the shooting that would be ideal but i don't know you don't know if that you don't know if that player exists and you don't know if the you know the salary cap will allow for it right i mean that's the those are the those are the fears and but yeah i mean if you could get a guy like desmond bain which i think is kind of unrealistic but selling memphis on this idea of you need veterans you have a guy who's going to get suspended for 30 to however many games and you're going to need somebody to kind of carry it. Now, do I think Chris Middleton can be a number one at this point? No, they're going to need more. And maybe that's why they hold on like a guy like Bain. But I do think there are a lot of teams that are like that in the sense that they're too young and they need veterans. And I think the Memphis thing will scare a lot of those teams. I think it'll scare Sacramento. I think it'll scare Cleveland. I think it will scare Orlando. Not saying that there are bad dudes on these teams, but like Zion's one of the quietest dudes in the league and the guy's de- dealing with a baby mama scandal and he's he's on his way to being the next Sean Kemp. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. you just never know. It come, comes at you fast. Yeah, exactly. Figuratively, literally. Um, and... <laughs> but like New Orleans is another example. New Orleans is another team. I mean, they have CJ McCollum, but still, like, I, I just wonder. And and Drew Holiday could be thrown into this same conversation. But like, is there a team that will bite? I'm more on the side of keeping Chris Middleton because I think you can get him for relatively cheap. I'm not saying the Bucks have Chris Middleton over a barrel. That sounds right. poor because Chris is was a vital part to winning a championship. But what's the market right now? 
What's that yes. market for Chris Middleton? Chris Middleton's agents have to know that. They have to know that. And I don't think you can get as, as low as three years, 75, unless you tell Chris, like, hey, look, we we need to do this because we can we can bring back Brooke, we can do this, and we can really kind of make our team better. And this new CBA that you guys signed is bullshit. And we want to, you know, and I will never fault guys for wanting to take more money. I, I think we've all learned our lesson. Look at the live and PGA example from this week. If you, if you want like a refresher on that, take the money when you can. But I just, I do wonder, I, I'm more on the keep side with Middleton. I just think Chris and Giannis sure. can still be a great duo and I'll buy into the Chris could have a, Chris could have a Brooke like bounce back this season, this next season. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not adamantly for no I know him. no um, it's 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 the segment. It just if it's a four year deal at a hundred and over a hundred and twenty, that's that's tough. Um, yeah, I mean if it's if it's if it's anything higher than one twenty, I'm going to be pretty upset. I'm not going to lie to you. If it's one fifty, I that's big freak out. That's a that's a what the fuck are we doing here? Um, and that's that's bad. That's worst case scenario. Let's right. talk about Drew Holiday. Uh, I think Drew is the most divisive Buck right now, which is crazy to say. I think a lot of Bucks Twitter wants Drew Holiday gone. I I know you've been on the side of careful what you wish for in that in that regard. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I I would keep him. Yeah, but with that said, he probably has. I would think the most trade value. Hundred percent. Out of out of any realistic, you know, you're not trading Giannis, so, um, you know, Drew would be the next, and that's, you know, you have to, yeah, you'd have to give something up to get something good in return, right? Um, but I do feel like at the same time, and it's really hard to call him an elite defender after the way he went out this year, but you would notice him not doing that, I think, and. I'd really be afraid to to get rid of him. So yeah. I, I'm I'm in the keeping camp, and, and I I would honestly be keeping pretty much everything. But with, with Drew, I just feel like I understand offense was was abysmal in the Miami series, and you know it's been it's been disappointing. Um, certainly this past playoff yep. brief playoff run, mm-hmm. uh, I don't really necessarily recall what it was like against Boston um, last year and, and that the playoffs last season. Yeah. He had, I mean, he, it was up and down and he had some moments and, sure. and there were, there were some things and sorry about the little technical difficulty there for the, and he wasn't, people. he wasn't perfect in 2021 either. No, I know right. We all, we all, we all remember the, 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 the epic moments right? and that will, that will, you know, remember forever. Um, but I feel like he wasn't, you know, yeah, it wasn't automatic in that run either. Well, and that's just kind of what he is. And that's the argument against it is, I think it comes down to all right, we we really like have seen Drew at his worst in the playoffs. What's the should we not keep him because of that? I do wonder though if you listen to Adrian Griffin talk about we want to be defensive first, we want to be pressuring the ball, we want to we want to do X, Y, and Z on like being this aggressive defense, like all of that shit screams Drew Holiday, all of it. 
So are we really going to get the probably the most aggressive defender we have on our team off our team? I agree that he has probably the most trade value for the segment. I will say trade just because I think the Bucks do need to kind of reset the deck a little bit, and this would be a way to do it. I do think there is a pathway, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, where you could probably reset the deck with the non-core four and and figure out a way but i i do i i would probably say if i had to present and what i would do with john i would say yeah you trade him because he's your best asset to trade and there are a lot of young teams with a lot of young talent who could potentially need a guy like your holiday yeah interesting i don't i don't disagree um and that's it'd yeah be, it'd be a sad day but oh totally it's, it's not impossible uh, and he's now, 32. He's yeah. 32. And I know people want to talk about what he said in the podcast. I don't know when that was about retiring after this contract. I don't believe that. Um, but maybe. I mean, honestly, uh, I, you know, he's, he's a very devout family man. And, yep. you know, his wife has had some health issues and stuff. And, you know, maybe he would. You know, in that case, right. I don't know. But. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Brooke Lopez, uh, I think that is one of the harder things because he's a free agent. You have no, you have no idea what that market is. There's already been rumors about Houston having some interest, uh, but I don't think Houston's going to be the only team that finds themselves in the Brooke Lopez conversation. I don't know what the money looks like, and please don't kill me for this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Boston kind of pokes their nose around um and yeah i i i think that there's going to be a market for brooke lopez how does boston do it yeah i feel like they don't have any money either they yeah they might not i mean well i think it would be unless probably the only way to do it is if jalen brown gets traded but i don't know if jalen brown's gonna get traded i doubt it um but anyways i Everybody I, wants everybody traded when they get eliminated. It's fucking not, sickening. Well, the Jalen Brown, the Jalen Brown thing though is like you're handicapped with those two guys. Yeah, you are. And and it's a we've seen this in the NBA before. We saw this with Oklahoma City. We we've seen this with the Clippers with CP3 and Blake. Like you get to a certain point and you're like, do you have enough to take it over the top? And I I don't know. I, I've I have no idea. I I re, I really would not be surprised if I read a headline in two weeks that Jalen Brown's trying to force his way to Houston. No, I yeah, and, and we don't want to talk about trade value. I mean, I think it's not a great free agent class, but I think Jalen Brown, if he was made available, would probably be the biggest the biggest fish out there. Hundred uh, percent, and could probably get a hell of a return. Could probably you could get, get a Halbert the third pick from Portland. That's also a nightmare. Um, which, and then, which would just be stupid for Portland. Yep, but. it it would be. But that's but Portland is in this weird thing. They don't really have an owner. I don't know if you read that weird story from. I was like, I think it was last Sunday. Jody Allen, who's the sister of Paul Allen, owns the team, but has has been wanting to sell, but yet doesn't sell. It's like and Paul and uh, Phil Knight wants to buy the Blazers, and she just won't let Phil Knight buy the Blazers, which is very interesting. 
Um, so I, I think when you have like no direction at the top, it's really Thank hard. God to... Damian Lillard is not LeBron James because if that was LeBron, that pick's gone. Oh yeah, I mean, but I don't know. Is Dame like? Are we sure Dame's like the greatest superstar? Like, doesn't play a lot of defense. He has Chris Haynes, who's his fucking lackey in the media. Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I I'm not saying Dame's like fake humble, but like he, he doesn't like he doesn't want to step outside his bubble, and I feel like there's a reason for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean. Are you saying he's overrated? Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of, sort of. I kind of. What it is is like he doesn't have as much value as he would have had two years ago, right? Or or four years ago, and yeah. now he's you know in damn near in his mid thirties, right? And he's kind of getting to Chris Paul territory. Totally. Where, I mean, he's you're you got to owe him sixty two million dollars at age 32, 38. And now if you think, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia is coming in and you're just not going to worry about that, then yeah, God bless you. I, I, I think you can, you can go that way, but yeah, no, no thanks for me on a Dame Lillard trade. But as for Brooke, man, I, I would love to keep Brooke. I think I have an asterisk on if a team overpays for Brooke, let them overpay for Brooke is kind of how I, how I would qualify it. Cause if San Antonio, comes in and just says, we're going to give you, we have a ton of money to spend. We'd love you to pair you with Wembenyama, similar to a Giannis thing. Um, yeah. Let San Antonio do it. I can't, I can't really stop San Antonio from doing that. And I can't fault Brooke on taking the money, especially at his, his age. Yeah. I think I'm with you there as much as Brooke is my favorite player. And, and I'd love to see him back. You kind of got to be realistic about stuff. And yes, if he's back on the, like the, Chris Paul two year with the third year non like non fully guaranteed, sure, that'd be a dream scenario. Perfect. Um, if it's, you know, three for sixty, you know, or three for seventy, probably live with it. Um, and then we essentially run it back with, you know, maybe a little little different defensive scheme. Now, having said that, I feel like defensively, with what Bud wanted to do, Brooke was say what you want about drop coverage. I mean, Brooke mm-hmm. flourished. Yep. And I don't know if Adrian Griffin is like, no, no, no. You know, it, with Toronto, we had we didn't have a center. And, yeah. You know, there's a reason they suck, probably in my opinion. But um, you know, it it would be maybe Brooke is completely just unnecessary in what they want to do. And, you know, you're right. If, if he overpays or so another team overpays, then you got to kind of let him go. Right. And that would probably be okay. I, I, Brooke is not necessarily a take the money type guy to me, especially no. at the stage when he's, when he's made plenty. Um, I feel like Orlando it would be scary oh, yeah. just because he lives there and, you know, Disney world, love, love no, to be there all the time, no state income tax too. I mean, you know, there are a lot. Yes, I think Orlando would be and probably the one. Good, uh, you know, well, they have, I guess, Wendell Carter and um, Paulo and stuff, so they probably are pretty set. But you never know. You never, you never know. I mean, and it's like, all right, and John Hammond loves size, and it's like, all right, maybe we flip Wendell Carter for something, an, a guard, if you will, and 
And then we have Paulo, we have Brooke, and we have Franz Wagner. They also have two picks in the draft. So maybe, maybe not, right? Um, and maybe they, they stick, stay put. But yeah, I would agree that Orlando is a scary one. I don't, I don't think the Lakers need him. Clippers have salary cap issues in their own right. Because those are those teams you you watch out for the phoenixes of the world the the ones that are have our destinations but a lot of those teams are dealing with their own salary cap problems so it's really hard to, it's really hard to target those teams all right um couple more just quickly Bobby Portis uh where where are you going with that uh you know I'd probably say keep just because he's a huge cultural icon in this city. And so you're keeping him over loyalty versus fit. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was a Look at that. I don't. I don't usually get well, you. First of all, pause. fuck you. Second <laughs> of all, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's there's other. You know. So who? So who's your it's, who's it's who a lot a trading? lot of a lot of emotion in that one for sure. I mean that's I, I that's agree more I than agree. more than more than like a lot of heart versus head on that one. I'll, but I'll give you that. If you were to do like the Bill Simmons trade value, Bobby's probably third on that list if you exclude Giannis, right? Is he has he has more trade value than Grayson Allen, wouldn't you say? Yeah, prob- probably. You probably have to put them together. I mean, that's probably a package deal. And it's just really? a question. It's just a question of I think you could sell the fans on running it back. I think the diehards would be fucking furious if they ran it back. I really do. I think they would be really upset and say, Why 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 won't it be it'll be just different because we have a new coach? I think they're they need to get a little younger, right? And so the question is, how do you how do you get younger with the 58th pick in the NBA draft? You likely have to trade somebody. Somebody has to be the quote unquote sacrificial lamb. Now, is that letting Brooke walk and then signing a younger, a younger big man or a younger wing? I I don't I don't know, right? Um, and you mentioned the phrase class isn't that great. So that's that's where you bring yourself in the trade. Bobby's also a guy that I think it's crazy that he's here now as he's, you know, had some issues in the past that we talked about all those young teams. He'd be another guy that'd be a really nice fit for a young team and be a pseudo lead veteran leader and tell them to clean their shit up. And I, I, again, I, I think Bobby's pretty valid. I hear what you're saying. It would be the casuals would be fucking sick. And I think you would, you would dent a little bit of that casual reputation, if you will. And, but I, I, I do also understand that you have to, as you said, to get somebody, you have to give something. And that's where I, I land more on the side of trading Bobby because of just, he's probably one of your most valuable assets that you have. The other thing with Bobby is he's got three years left under his contract. So two yep. and a player option. So there's that. kind of a lot of, Commitment for another game. Um, so that may hinder his trade value a little bit. Yep. But I don't know. Does, yeah, is is Memphis really jumping up and down for Bobby Portis right now? I don't know. 
I mean, but Memphis is like one of the examples. I mean, I ran through it, but I can run through it again. I mean, there are other teams too that I weren't even mentioned. You know, like you know, Indiana's a very young team. Um, Minnesota is still relatively young. Um, I just no, I, I don't, don't think Bobby's I don't think Bobby's a starter in the NBA. So yeah, if somebody wanted to, unless if you're a bad team, then yeah, he could probably start, but. I don't think he really has a role as a starter. I don't know if he wants to be a starter. Yeah, and and that, I feel so like, I feel like it is a decent fit here. So that's an interesting like argument against it is like basically the thought is really Bobby's fits are with playoff contending teams and the Bucks Most aren't of these probably, guys are. Right. And that's true, but it, it's just I I I just looked at how the Bucks I think we all you know, after we watch the playoffs, maybe watching Denver, like the Bucks can't keep up with some of these teams. Like they just need to get they need to get more athletic. They need to get quicker. They can't. I, I just yeah. don't think they do you agree or do you do not no, do not I, see I, it that I agree. way. I agree. Um definitely agree with that. I think there's ways to do it though. You can start by not bringing in every single 35 year old veteran that's off the scrap heap. Like so yeah, Joe Ingles, yeah, Joe Ingles gone. See you later. Like Probably. I like Joe. I mean, we we all love Joe Ingles, but yeah, I mean, it's he's a very he's he's he serves a need for the team, but um, I don't know. Clearly, it it wasn't enough. Right. I mean, it's it's really, and I've said it like probably, this is probably the fourth fucking pod. I've said it long more more in this podcast, but it's. Where are the Bruce Brown? Where are the KCP types? I know KCP got there in a trade, but where are those guys? And remember, to your point, to our our conversation about bench players and trading bench guys, they traded Monte Morris and Will Barton for KCP. Yeah, what's the difference between that and Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen, or Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton? Like, what's what's that? What's the difference there? Um, yeah, God, that's a great trade. I mean, it, it's a, it's a fucking unreal trade, but you're doing business with the Wizards, who are one of the worst organizations <laughs> yeah, in, you know, on, on planet Earth, probably. Right, the Wizards, so, the the fucking Wizards could end up trading like Brad Beal and the eighth pick for fucking Jalen Brown or something dumb. They're probably not that bad. Um, and but, the, the weird, the weirdest thing is, is I would have probably said when the trade happened a year ago, or whatever ish, whatever it was that Monte Morris probably was the best player in the trade, but he kind of is, has the wizard stench. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, right. And I think he was hurt a lot this year. I don't, I don't remember hearing his name at all. Yeah. He, he, until, I think until he was at the game last night and then, Oh yeah. That guy's alive. That's weird to be at the game of the team that traded you. I, that's like uh, being at the, like the junior high game when you're in high school sort of thing. Like, I don't know. It's All just right, what's what's weirder, being an ex teammate and you know going down on the court after the game and dapping everybody up, or being Monty Williams, the opposing coach, losing in the finals and going into the locker room and giving a fucking speech. Like <laughs> Monty, Monty Williams is such a fucking loser. I can't wait to beat up Monty Williams four times when he, as he's the Pistons coach now. Didn't you want the Bucks to get him? No, I. I I thought Sh- Shannon, friend of Brown, Shea Ken, built a case for why the Bucks could get Monty Williams. But and I, I respected it. 
I I took it under consideration. I said it'd be okay. Maybe I should. Maybe I went a little too far. Maybe I'm a little little uh, fired up. Friday fired up, and you know, locker room talk here. But it's uh, yeah, I don't know. I maybe I'll, I'll recant. Monty's not a fucking loser. He's just he that he was a loser in that moment. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind it at the time, but I mean, retrospect, yeah, it, it is kind of kind of silly. Kind of yeah. made it about him a little bit, but for sure, absolutely, hundred percent. All right, any uh, any other books that we need to go over uh, with this segment and talk through? I mean, I mean, Marjan's one of the ones that I didn't mention. I I don't know what kind of deal you'd put Marjan in. I'm I'm very high on Marjan, uh, especially with Griffin's player development uh, roots. I I kind of want to hold on to Marjan because I I really do think there is a another uh, another level for him. Yeah, and the thing is, Marjan is exactly kind of fits the athletic sort of theme of this podcast. And, yeah. you know, he just wasn't really used. Um, wasn't the greatest year in terms of development. But, I don't know, that that's what's interesting about next season is with the new coach and not his experience. Like, if it would have been, God forbid, Doc Rivers or something, it uh. would have been like, all right, you know, um, we're, we're 100% trying to win every single every single second of every single game and i'm not saying it's a it's a, a certainly a rebuild year but it's going to be different and i don't know there there may be a little more room for error or more caution to the wind with adrian griffin oh, i'll i'll play marjan bochamp yeah make him you know maybe a more permanent rotation guy right and and we'll see maybe right. there won't be as many as many punted games with him where it's no. all, all of a sudden every, every 10th game we're resting four starters and um, just punting on a game or two games. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I, it, Toronto didn't really do that. No, no, they Toronto, Toronto played all their guys. They played a lot of minutes. I'm not, I'm not exactly worried about minutes or worried about all of that. I think it's going to take some time. I agree with you. I think, there, this is going to be the fall and winter of patience, and I have a, probably a banger topic for us um, another time to to discuss on that. But it's it's going to uh, it's definitely going to test a lot of people. They're going to have to be willing to embrace it for a little while here and understand that yeah, it's not going to, especially if they overhaul, like if they don't listen to us, and it ends up being Brooks gone and. Chris or Drew's gone and a couple of the bench guys are gone and there's all these brand new pieces like a, it's imperative that they stay healthy, but B you add on the new coaching and then you add on all these new pieces. It's going to be really, really a, a test of just not firing off takes, at, you know, game two of the, of 82. Mm-hmm. So I remember they, they won the championship as a three seed. So, Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you look at it now. Like, I, I mean, regular season has lost a lot of its luster with this season. I, I, I think, and I don't really know how the NBA gets that back in a bottle because people are going to be like, "Well, look at the Heat." And I guess this next, this following year, when we're doing this podcast in June, whether the Bucks are around or not, it's going to be a was twenty twenty three the outlier. 
or it was 2023 the beginning of a trend of it doesn't really matter where you get in just as long as you get there. Yeah, which would be so anti what we've known. Oh, it's NBA. it's I mean, it's definitely that's, the worst. That's why I do think this is an outlier, and I think it's a special case. Um, and I don't think it it'll continue. Uh, well, look. Well, look, I mean, there is a world where the Bucks could be in the finals because Giannis doesn't get hurt. And we're talking about Bucks and Nuggets game four to Friday night in the or I'll be in Denver. But Friday night and you and I are planning to go out to the Broad House and all this other shit. And we're not. And yeah. it, and it's just there. Like I think that Boston team was beatable. I said that I knew the Missoula thing was gonna gonna implode and I I feel great about that take, and I, I'm glad I said it. But uh, it's, yeah, it's 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 interesting to say the least. And I don't know how the thing against Nuggets would have went. I I can't imagine it would have been that well. Um, I just think the Nuggets are very talented. I I think I never thought I discredited Mike Malone. I'm not giving them the title, but I it's really impressive that the last two rounds they've went into the. Uh, Wade Jim and they've kind of beat the shit out of the Lakers and they beat the shit out of Miami and that's to me that's like the sign of a champion right there like in game three just went yeah in. yeah 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 I mean they blew game two um, yeah so they came out pissed off and um you know that again Miami was you in the fourth quarter you're not turning it off because Miami has a has a has a big tendency to, as we know very well, um, never be out of a game, you know. But it, I think Denver had them. The lead was just just big enough, and Denver hit enough shots. Um, although it did get down to what nine or ten with like yeah, Malone two minutes left yeah. or something like that. Um, but Spolstra had already kind of pulled the plug, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see it continuing necessarily in the future. I just think Miami was basically the same team from a year ago that was a one seed and they finally started making shots. And uh I don't know. Yep. It's, it's kind of been it's been one thing after the other for them and no doubt. Know, it, it it probably is done though. We'll see. Yeah, we'll 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 certainly have to see. Um it should be exciting. Uh as the one team that is playing in the state of Wisconsin, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, unfortunately, we're not talking about a sweep. Uh, the back end of the bullpen blew up, but Charlie but, must have had this topic before the. Yeah. No, no, no. I, here's the thing. I I debated. I was like, well, it's one game. I we could have done. Are you scared of the, the bullpen? The recent bullpen woes scare you. Certainly could talk about that. Um, as a as a reason to be cautious, the Brewers are seven and three in their last ten. They take two out of three from the Orioles. They have a three game series here against the Oakland Athletics, where it's imperative you at least win two games. You should sweep, but I get it's baseball. The A's have one two straight, um, but they have fourteen wins on the That's entire what we season. Call a winning streak. Yes. Yes. That is correct. And the A's took two out of three from Atlanta. Was that last weekend? Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was. So, so like, to your point, you can't slip up. You can't fuck around here this weekend. They're still still professional athletes. 
Yeah. And uh, I think for the Brewers, the are they back case is just the offense looks beside like they went to sleep after the first inning uh, yesterday, but they really do seem like they're humming again. They seem like they're very comfortable there. I think they're in an awkward spot with Luis Urias because he's still doesn't have a hit this year. I think he's over 12, but it's like, all right, yeah, you need your at bats, but also buddy it's we're in the heart of it and we don't really have time for you to find your stroke. You know what I mean? So be very curious. And Monastero's playing well, all right. He's only played, what, four games? I mean, four games, yeah. yeah. It's not. I'm just we're saying. They, well, I know, but I'm just saying there's a lot of guys that are available, right? Like, the com- like pick your combination. Like, Owen Miller, Monastero. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. There. Oh, well, you put Brian Anderson at third base, Blake Perkins out and right. Like, they, they just have a lot of, as the Brewers always do, they have a lot of roster flexibility and think because they're getting more guys back offensively, I think that really does kind of amplify and make you think that, okay, they're ready to go on kind of a run here. Well, and Owen Miller becoming an everyday second baseman was probably not in the plans necessarily. No, it's um, cliche to taking, say, but taking the opportunity and ran with it. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, Luis Arias might be, might be on the outside looking in. At this point in time, they already sent down Bryce Terang, um, which, to your point about waiting around, I mean, clearly they thought they they couldn't. Uh, I kind of thought there might be a way to keep him on, but what was he, like three for his last 40 or something like that? Yeah, it was brutal. Um, And I thought Matt Arnold did a great job selling it in the booth yesterday where he was like, look, Brandon Woodruff got sent down. Corbin Burns got sent down. He mentioned a couple other guys who got sent down. He's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's not – like, it's fine. We're, we're, we're going to yeah. be – we're going to be okay. There's always two ways. I mean, they he can he can go down. And, I mean, Keston here has been very good in AAA. Right. Um, and still hasn't gotten called back up, unfortunately. But he's now he's hurt. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's kind of two ways to do it. You can – you can use take it in stride, use it as motivation, and perform down there, and you'll be up in no time. Or you know, you can pout and suck, or just be kind of average. Like it's right. You got got, and, and sometimes maybe it's good to to go back down and and uh, sharpen your 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 skills a little bit, and I don't know, ha- have a different sort of you know. Obviously, the level of competition will go down. And gain some confidence back, and you know, I think it'll be all right for him. Totally, yeah, absolutely, and it'll be interesting as to further the case of like the Brewers being quote unquote back is like Wade Miley probably going to be ready next week. He's making a rehab start, I think, over the weekend. So you get Wade Miley back, which is crazy that it only took him five weeks to get back from this lat strain. I mean, must have been some good whiskey he was drinking to kind of keep himself uh keep himself going and uh and then eric lauer will also be back um and ready to go probably i think he has one he's gonna do one more triple a start but it it'll be very interesting do we we want that i i think actually how i want eric lauer to be is i want eric lauer to be the the old adrian hauser so like two to three innings someone doesn't have it 
you bring in Lauer, fourth inning, fifth inning, and he just pitches till the sixth or seventh, that, barring that he has any issues. Because he, he pitched out of the bullpen in that Royals game, and when Colin Wright didn't have it, and was really good. He pitched that. He, I think he made it all the way through. He pitched like five innings. And it's like. Yeah, and then he, but he, he gave up like two home runs or something. But yeah. Right, in the ninth. The yeah, yeah. 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 But he kind of ran seemed, out of gas. Seemed to have been fine before that, though, or, or good. Yeah. Because I don't know. I mean, Colin Ray is, I said it uh, in on Twitter yesterday, tapping the guy on, on that, on the bird app. Uh, Colin Ray is kind of like Javon Carter. You just kind of have no idea how this keeps happening. Like you just don't understand it. Like it's just, it's very hard. Yeah, he's he's had a, what he's had what three or four good starts in a row. Yeah, I mean, I I went when we were at the game in Cincinnati. I I had the blessing of seeing Colin Ray the second time this year, um, and uh, I told my wife Morgan, I was like, this it's going to be a lot of scoring here tonight. Like we're not like this is going to be a high scoring affair. I was right. The Brewers nearly blew a 10, one lead, which would have killed the vibe for the entire night. Uh, but I you're thought gonna it be, was gonna... you're going to be telling Charlie, Charlie the third in 50 years, <laughs> how you saw Andrew Monasterio, Owen Miller, Colin Ray playing the same baseball game for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I, Cincinnati. And I fucking missed Ellie De La Cruz by like two games. That's the that's the bitch of the beast. Who because he hit two he had two hits in a game. Now he's a Hall of Famer. Dude, he is like he is. Just I was big... I was almost offended when you said you were more excited for him than O'Neill Cruz. I don't I know. Like, wow, talk about the new shiny object. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, probably. I had, to, I had to listen about how great O'Neill Cruz was. How much of a freak this guy was. Now he's hurt. He's gone. Nobody cares about him anymore, and although he's probably coming back soon, I think. Yeah, I'm probably. Unfortunately, well, hopefully. Well, uh, the Brewers play the Pirates like twice in in June, so O'Neill can like stay stay put until after after those June games against them against us. But yeah, I don't know. It's just I'm just well, saying, but like, the, but the Brewers are getting healthy. You're right. Yeah, um, and, and that's and I, I don't know if they're one of the big casual topics is are they a buyer or seller. And it's like, well, Brewers are never a buyer, in 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 the purest sense of the word. They'll, yeah, they'll they'll pick a seventh inning guy, uh, off the uh, from a bad team, or and... or or a rental, or like the CC Sabathia type. Now CC Sabathia is at another level, but I'm just saying, and a guy that was also two lifetimes ago, hundred you know? percent. It's like the, it, it it see the CC Sabathia trade is like the new generation of the 82 Brewers. Um, but I just don't, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll see. And, and they might not sell because the AL Central's dog shit. But like Lucas Giolito, for example, his contract's up after this year. I yeah. There are some there are some issues with Lucas Giolito. He, he walks some guys, but he, he has stuff. He's pitched in the postseason before a little bit. Like, don't, don't really hate that. I'm patiently awaiting... For Fat Boy Lance Lynn to get get sent uh, get DFA'd, um, because hell, I'd take a flyer on Lance Lynn in the bullpen, but I don't know, he might be Lance too bad for. It's Lance Lynn. Uh, the real ones will know that. There's like probably two people listening to this podcast that will understand that. You always got to worry too. about bringing a fat guy to Milwaukee. You well, gotta... that's I mean that's a great point. I, I you especially a pitcher, but it's pretty clear the fats can't handle the pitch clock. Like Manoa's struggling with it. 
Lance Lynn's struggling with it. Like, (laughs) is Corbett's fat? No, no. He's got a bit dad bod, a little bit. But yeah. no, he's. I would not put him in the fat category. But no. he, pitch clock. I don't think is is. is no. I don't think he's a huge fan of it either. Yeah, and I I think the other the other thing to like be encouraged, and then we'll get negative here is you know Joey Weimer's red hot and he's really playing well. Yeah. And and you are now getting that spark that you kind of got from Garrett Mitchell right at the start of the year. Weimer has probably raised his batting average at like forty points in the last yeah. week. Yeah, uh, RC Plus, which is like one of the real trendy uh, advanced analytic numbers. Weimer went from like being like, and like if you're a plus 100, you're like pretty damn good player. Weimer's went from like plus 40 or 50 to plus 91 um, in this last like two weeks. He's just scalding the baseball. Yeah, and as the player said after, what was it Tuesday night's walk-off? That, yeah. Uh, Guy gets a mullet. I think it was was it Yelich yeah. who said it. Guy gets a yeah. mullet and he becomes the best player on the planet Earth. Now they're all going to do it. <laughs> well, Corbin Burns added to that yesterday and or two days ago and said if they make the postseason, they're all getting mullets. Yeah, I mean this is great. I mean well, Corbin Brian, can do it. I don't know about the rest of them. I I, I was truly impressed how Brian Anderson and Bill Schroeder t- knocked that topic into the ground in like three days. I love BA. I love Rock, but. BA, that's a just such a BA story, and he was all over it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I <laughs> that's that's low hanging fruit for him. Oh yeah, exactly. As much as we love BA, but oh that's, exactly, that's a that's a great team. Oh yeah, PR, uh, you know, story to just hammer. By the way, can I take advantage of it? Speaking of victory laps, can I also take a victory lap on Tim Dillard? Like no one was more right about Tim Dillard than I was that he was just a clown in the in the analyst booth. Yeah, he kind of stinks, unfortunately. Yeah. Especially um, when you p- compare him to Vinny Rotino. Do you like Vinny Rotino? I like Vinny Rotino. I do. I think. See, I don't even. What are they like? Are those guys kind of alternating road trips or something? Yeah, so I also like, don't like. I also am like what. Like Rock probably deserves it, but like, do we really need like the second second tier guys on the road every goddamn time? Like we can't get BA and Rock to do a little bit of traveling. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Um, yeah, there must uh-huh. be. Well, Rock is old enough to be our dads, probably. Well, yeah, so... Rock. Rock has a little bit of cachet, but and like I get it. Like Marcus does that. Some Mark Johnson of the Bucks does that sometimes. Then you have the the random Steve Novak games you have to put yourself through. Like it's yeah. it, it happens, but I I just not every road trip do we need to. Well, I'm sure out it's, left. It must be in his contract that he's not doing road no, games. No, maybe it it, ha- it might be. I mean, it may, it would make sense because of just all the traveling he does for the NBA. Maybe, maybe until maybe until uh, I'm talking about Bill Schroeder. Oh, my apologies. I thought you I thought you were talking about him. Well, we're talking about both both guys. BA doesn't oh. do any road games either. It's always levering. Is that is that so? At least I'm, I, we'll see, we'll see, like, so they have the Minnesota trip, and then they go to, they go to Pittsburgh, no, they come home to play Pittsburgh, they have, like, two, it's a weird thing, they do two games in Minnesota, and they go right back home to play Pittsburgh, and they get a bunch of days off next week, Um, so I don't know, we'll see, it's just little quirks, and I guess the reason why they're not back, or why you still worry is bullpens not looked great for the last, like, 
two weeks. It's been kind of a mess. Jake Cousins uh, at Cincinnati on Saturday afternoon was one of the more terrifying experiences I had put myself through in real life. I was just coaching Jake from the third base side, like just throw fucking strikes, dude. Same with Trevor Miguel, who bounced back after that start. Jake did not was not allowed to bounce back. They sent us a ass right out. Um, but yeah, Piamps has kind of become Joel Piamps again. Uh, he's you know is not the shutdown guy that we saw for a little while there, and that's yeah, a little it's a little nervy. Um, I guess in that back end of the Brewers bullpen for for the time being. And the bullpen is like such an important part of what oh yeah want to do, just because it's it's the way that a small market team can kind of fight back, and mm-hmm. you know you have a good bullpen, and obviously you want good starters, but you're not going to be able to have five aces like some teams do, and that's the way that they can kind of level the playing field. And if the bullpen is not not up to, to snuff, then it's you're, you're in trouble. Right. I kind of like, I kind of like McGill because the guy just so do I. has an yeah. electric arm. Um, but yeah, there's yeah. a need and these guys are available. Well, every now and again, McGill just forgets his control. And that was what happened in Cincinnati where he just couldn't find the strike zone. I was like, holy shit. And then Craig council kind of dawdled and let him, let him sort of just work it out, which, so I saw somebody who made the point of like why Council is such a good manager is he puts those guys in, in those situations and he lets them fight through it and like that'll help out in the long run. You have to like you have to take that and and I I do get that macro point. It the, but the micro point of when I'm watching it and I'm at the game, just dying with every pitch is that there's just a difference there, Gus. And. Yeah. uh and who's the other? Oh, I was going to mention Figueroa. Like, Figueroa's been solid. He's been more of a low leverage guy. I don't know. Maybe you try him, you know, out this. If you get in the high leverage situation against the A's, maybe maybe that's a route you look at as just all these guys have been kind of struggling lately. Devin Williams only has 10 save ops and 20. Yeah. Games. It's crazy, right? Games where there weren't save opportunities. Yeah. It's nuts. It's been awesome, but I mean, oh yeah, yeah, all star for sure. No, no real, no real doubt about that. That Devin Williams is going to find his way, find his way into the all star game. And but yeah, the the bullpen's been a little shaky, but I I just hope that maybe that's a just a blip. And again, Oakland should be a get right series. The Brewers have done a pretty good job of taking care of business against yeah. bad teams. Besides well, that they, Rocky they... series. They swept the Royals a few weeks right. ago, which was good. And I take feel like th- that's probably what, what's happening this take, weekend. Take three out of four. Well, you do have to face a lefty on Sad on Sunday. Um, but Freddie Freddie Peralta's going, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, it took three out of four from Cincinnati, who I don't even know if I qualify them as a bad team. Um, and you you know, so those you faced some bad teams recently and you've done You've done okay, so we'll see if they can. And Freddie's Freddie's numbers aren't great, but I think he had a really bad line against the Giants a couple starts ago. Yeah, so yeah, the Adamas a little, a little inflated. Yeah, the Adamas thing really fucked everybody up. Like I, I don't think the Brewers could have forfeited that game just for a variety of reasons, but they they might as well should have. Uh, they were just completely out of it, and and yeah, Freddie had that game. He had the Cardinals game. 
Uh, but he looked really good against the Orioles and Corbin Burns did too. I mean, Corbin Burns got a pretty good strike zone. Like Hunter Wilds that strike zone was very healthy to Corbin Burns. Like he had every little strike possible. Uh, the Orioles manager, Brandon Hyde, got wrong from the game because of that. But um, I, I'll take it, man. If Corbin Burns back to old Corbin Burns, like that's, that's fucking awesome. That's a huge, huge development in the season where every five days – you know you're getting you're getting Pete Corbin Burns. I feel like he's too good. It it's gotta right. It's gotta even out. Yeah, at some point for sure. No question about it. All right, let's uh, wrap up today's show with uh, David Bakhtiari and the Green Bay Packers. I think the Green Bay Packers are done with OTAs, right? They're they're uh, kind of on summer summer break for now. Yeah, you'd probably know more than I would. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, <laughs> no. Look, I don't. They had some this week. I don't know if they do it like by week. They do it like weekly or how it, how it all works. Yeah, it's so I happened to see. Uh, I was watching the news as one does. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, you a, you and, and my very, my dad. Yeah, right. There was a very enlightening story about uh, training camp or, or OTAs or whatever it is. That Bakhtiari himself was talking to media, and he was saying that yes, they're OTAs, but. A lot of people, a lot of players have it worked out in their contract that like, these are the ones that I'm coming or like, it's, it's voluntary, but that's in quotes mm-hmm. and you know, you're going to show up and he was saying that he has PTO like everybody else. So like there's days where he like has scheduled off days for these OTAs and um, it kind of was interesting to hear. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. They, they must always be doing shit. I mean, and well, not always, but um there's guys that live in Green Bay and come work out. And, you know, as we've made the joke a million times, it, it is possible to do that now, evidently, as, as a quarterback right. for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and, it's know, possible. And, and David Bakhtiari, you might be surprised, is going to be very important for Jordan Love this year. Yep. And he's he's a key part of what – Jordan Love needs to do, and and I just don't understand the kind of the trade conversation. Um, Craig Karmazin of Good Karma, well-respected dude, brought it up, kind of picked up steam. A few other people picked it up, and I just think there is no reason for you to trade a veteran right now, any veteran. Packers are a very young team. You need as many of those guys who lived experiences as humanly possible. And I understand being seeing the bigger picture and saying, well, we got Josh Nyman, we got Zach Tom, we we like our offensive line. Guess what? Offensive line guys get hurt, right? What's yeah. one thing that most NFL teams don't have? A uh, deep offensive line. And having that is a luxury. And what we've seen time and time again in the Packers history from Ron Wolf on, more Ted Thompson on, is they tend to be well-prepared before they move on. So it's a year early. Remember they drafted all those wide receivers before getting rid of Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb the first time for Randall Cobb. They, they did, they've done it with Aaron Rodgers, right? Jordan Love, like they – I think if anything, they'll wait till next year. It's a little more cost friendly for the team that's trading for Bakhtiari, and they can then sign Nime into a deal if they want to sign Name into a deal, and and go that direction. I actually wouldn't be surprised if you were going to make a deal for somebody. 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's Josh Nyman because I think you could get almost better value because he is a free agent. A team can resign him, maybe give him a better deal right off the bat. And you could maybe sell a team on a second round pick. Offensive linemen were going for a high rate. I don't think you're getting as much for David Bakhtiari because of the contract and because of the lingering knee issues that he has. Yeah. And I think that would be, well, first of all, you know, a, a deep offensive line is a luxury, but it's also a necessity. As you oh, said. yeah, totally. 100%. You know, I mean, you got to, why, why were the Bears so bad last year? They couldn't fucking block anybody. Still can't block anybody. Right. And we'll see. Now, luckily, they have an extremely mobile quarterback, but you also need to block some people for him to have time to throw as well. So mm-hmm. um, I, I guess that would be the argument probably for trading Bakhtiari. I guess the only thing I could think of was the fact that, you know, I don't know how confident he is, in, you know, I mean, in, in his injury. And, you know, I feel like that's that's probably not going away. Um, but – you know what I mean? Like, like the, the, the mental issues with, right. with the, yeah, I mean, the hurdle. There's, He's there, there's about a reason it. that there's a reason that he missed so many games, even though we yeah. thought he was back. And um, I don't know, maybe he's hey. over it now, but that would be about the only thing, but I feel like trading away your cornerstone left tackle before you're about to embark on your first season with a new quarterback is, is malpractice. It's really rolling the dice. It's it. You're already rolling the dice with a bunch of young guys. Like I've been pining to get a veteran receiver in that room just to have somebody with a little yeah. bit of lived experience. Um, and Packers. getting DeAndre Hopkins right after the Packers got rid of Ro- Rogers would be pretty fucking funny. Oh God. I mean, but no, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, just adding a couple more veterans, right? Like, Justin Houston's still available. He's like 39. I don't think Justin Houston wants to be in Green Bay. But, you know, if that's a guy you bring in, I know yeah, that's that not dude, a that's that not a white had a had a big year, didn't he, last right. year? Right. Yeah, he's still unsigned. Like I saw someone today who was like, I'd rather have him than Frank Clark, who just signed with the Broncos. And I I think I agree. Like, I mean, Frank Clark is kind of oh, he played for the Chiefs, he has a bunch of postseason sacks. But kind of when you have a bunch of postseason sacks, it's because you play in a bunch of postseason games. Like it's there's a correlation there. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I I want more veterans. I don't want to take away from our veteran leadership. I those guys, you know, Bakhtiari to me is probably a team captain this year. Um, I think along with Aaron Jones, I could see Jordan Love potentially getting a captain spot. We don't need to be debating captains. Sedaria Smith would be on captains any day of the week. But I I still – I just think that Bakhtiari is so important to what the Packers are doing. And, and yeah, the the mental stuff's interesting too because even if he wants out and says, hey, I want to get traded, he's been really adamant against, like, field turf. And so if you trade him to a team where it's field turf first, like, how is that – how is he going to mentally, you know, handle that? Like that's that's a lot to lot to deal with. Well, they probably wouldn't do that, but no, they probably they would probably treat him right and would trade him to where he wanted. But if you want to go to the Jets, we're running out of we're running out of options in that regard. Oh yeah, I know, man. It's crazy. Everything's gonna have a dome. We're fucked. It's gonna suck. 
Jacksonville. I, I heard Jacksonville. Yeah. I, I didn't see it, but I heard they have renderings for a new stadium. Yep. And yeah, it looks a lot like uh, SoFi. Um, and yeah, yeah, it has it has a roof. And I thought yeah. it didn't. Oh, did it not? Because I it looked like it had a roof, but maybe I maybe I I looked at it wrong. I would be kind of surprised if it if it didn't like. Or do. You, yeah, doesn't the doesn't the Miami Stadium have like the ability to have a little bit of like paneling, basically? So it's not like an actual like fully closed roof. Yeah, but they right. It's close. just it's it's not retractable, but it's like it's kind of best of both worlds where there's a little bit, yeah, of like a canopy over the stands, basically. Right, kind of like um, the old uh, Cowboy Stadium in Arlington had that too, where yeah, it's think, like. But I think that's what Hard Rock Stadium is. is like, yeah. there's it's open over the field. Yeah, but. So there's some shade and all that, but um, yeah, the artist formerly known as Boca Murph will probably fact check us on this um, when he listens. Uh, for for that, SoFi but, just has like a glass roof, doesn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they have a they have a glass roof. I think they actually have like yeah, they have a roof, but then they're like uh the sides are open up. So, but yeah, it's it, you know, everybody wants you know the ability to host as many things as humanly possible you know well, whether it's in jacksonville it makes a ton of sense because you can have like florida georgia game oh yeah the world's largest cocktail party they play that there yep and uh super bowls are in jacksonville you the yeah they haven't done, they haven't done one in a while but you could make a case that you deserve another super bowl because of this you could make a case that um you deserve a college football playoff right um you deserve i think a college football playoff makes a ton of sense in jacksonville with all the sec fans the acc florida state's really there you'll probably pitch the idea to college football about another neutral site game that's not just florida georgia that's being played in the you know that labor day weekend or one of the other so like Like yeah instead of jerry world getting the game every every weekend Right, exactly. They can, they can find or Atlanta. They can find. They can go over to uh to, to Jacksonville. Jacksonville. And the best part of it all, Charlie, Shad Khan won't have to pay for the full thing. No, <laughs> that's an amazing. That's an amazing uh, grift by Shad Khan to not pay for the full thing. And that guy has so much fucking money. Well, that's every owner now. I mean, they, I don't know that the the days of I don't know everything's so fucking ridiculously expensive now that. Well, yeah, it's just like I get not not one hundred percent fully funding privately fu- funding stadiums, mm-hmm. just because I I do think there's some civic responsibility from the fan base to to do something to keep the team, you know, in your city. I think it's it, in the end you want that, and if you have to do a little bit to to get it done, then that's fine, but. You know, when these billionaires come to the table and say, well, you know, 50% is as high as I'll go, kind of sucks. Oh, yeah, and, totally. And, and everybody just considering, like, the fact that, I don't know, I feel like the average lifespan of a of a field, a stadium, a baseball park, an arena is probably going to get less and less as time goes on, too, because there's always going to be a new stadium that's awesome and it's going to, you know, everybody oh, wants a state of the art thing and it, it is good to some extent, but like, you know, American family field is not even what it's 25 years old, not even. And there's already trouble there. And I don't know. Yeah. And again, 25 years is 
kind of getting there already. Well, and I think the the part of the Brewers one you got to remember is the how it's written. It's on the state to deal with those maintenance. Like you can be as mad at Mark Ananasio as you want. That's the contract, right? That that's what the lawyers agreed to, and that was what Rob Manfred kind of said, where he was like, "You got to stick to the deal, and you got to you know pay this out." And I think the government will figure it out. Um, it seems like there's some, I would say happy times, but there was just some news about, you know, budget agreements and stuff like that, not related to the Brewers, um, in the state legislature. So I think they will come to an agreement. I think if you ask the Brewers, they would love to do something around like the Deer District. Cincinnati had one. It's called the Dora. Um, it stands for designated outdoor recreation area. There were bars everywhere. It was really fun. But you that you ask yourself, well, where do you put that, right? Like what, like you take what you're gonna oh. get, you're gonna get rid of parking. Like that area is not necessarily a place that everybody stays out and and drinks. Like the the Red Stadium is legitimately right downtown in the city of Cincinnati. Yeah, and that's the interesting predicament that I suppose the Brewers are because I I I there were rumors like a year ago or or maybe more. I guess there's always rumors about like the uh, the old Joy Global building get at the mm-hmm. uh, which is not that close to you know it's hardly walking distance yeah to to the ballpark about that becoming like sort of a a beer district for lack of a better term of <laughs> like a group right. of, you know a cluster of team owned bars yep which that could work because you could do a cluster of bars, you know, instead of tailgating, which I don't know, man, tailgating is such a Wisconsin thing. And like people are tight asses around here. And yeah. But I, it, I don't know. I don't know if you're worked. getting thousands of people to go to, to go to bars and then like bus over the, to, to the field. But it worked for, yeah, but it, it well, the busing part's the hard part, but it, it, I will say it works for the Packers, right? Like they, they had they built title town animal you think it's a different animal really because i oh, mean yeah. it's we make you know it it, it, Look, it the is packers are untouchable <laughs> they are i mean they have they have some critiques but yeah i it's eighty five thousand pinheads going there 16 times a year i i, I, mean, I hear you i hear you i i i think the one thing that i would think about is why couldn't you create bars inside the parking lot like you know johnsonville has like the big um the big thing in in the middle of uh middle of lambo's parking lot and like why can't you do something like that and have a few of those and like that's sort of the start and if you start seeing revenue then explore but that might be just too base level and you need to kind of blow it out and do something bigger it'll be it's really fascinating to see to see what the brewers do because they they know they need to do something and they have this young roster that I think is gonna make some noise. Like I, trio is what could be. I mean, you're gonna get an influx of fans and it's you're gonna get a lot of people at the ballpark. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, we'll have to see. Interesting time ahead with the totally, but it's not a super immediate. No, no. Um, all right. Well, any, anything else for the people? No, nah, we'll see you Sunday afternoon. 
yeah, see you Sunday afternoon at Logan Street Days. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, you and I will talk next week, and we'll see uh, if we're still talking about if the NBA Finals are still going on, or if uh, Denver has uh, has completed their completed the journey. Let's see. Yep. All right, take care, everybody. Have a good weekend. We'll be back Monday. Um, and see you then. Peace. Peace.